sitting back, relaxing, and talking sports with the guys. Hey, we're just men doing manly things. Light up a cigar and have a brew with the starting lineups, Tyler Ivins and Eric Kane. For the next 60 minutes, it's the Gentleman's Hour podcast on The Sports Animal. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Gentleman's Hour podcast, SportsRadio, WNML.com, iTunes, Google Play, the Sports Radio WNML app, powered by Big Kahuna Wings Worldwide. Whichever avenue you're listening to this podcast, we do say thank you. Hey, just took a look at those podcasting numbers, Tyler, and not bad. I saw the podcasting numbers about 20 minutes ago when we were in our Wednesday meeting. Yeah. And they are uh, fantastico. As much as I enjoy doing the Gentleman's Hour podcast out and about, weather, kind of a busy week, getting ready for UAB. Homecoming week's always really busy for us around here. So um, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. And yes. Thank you for working with us. I know they love the outdoor ambiance that we will not be providing today. Caca! Get, get oh, the look, bird. get the dump trucks that are coming down Central Avenue down there, and you know all the all the uh, lovely pedestrians that pass by that want to ask questions when we have headphones on. No, it's all it's all part of the all part of the story, and you love it. But uh, yeah, it's a little rainy out, a little cold out, and uh, a busy schedule here today. So we are in studio, bringing you the Gentleman's Hour podcast. Uh, Tyler Robbins, just going to talk Tennessee football. Obviously, moving right along, three and five, two and three in SEC play. The, really, the last three weeks, Tennessee has done a fantastic job. Uh, again, this is Eric Kane, Tyler Robbins. And when you go back to that Mississippi State win, the way they finished off the ball game with Garrett Garantano in at quarterback, took it to Alabama down in Tuscaloosa, could have been a one-score game late in that fourth quarter, midway through that fourth quarter. And then how the defense came alive in the second half against South Carolina. Pitched a shutout, Tennessee cruised to a 41-21 victory despite not having a starting quarterback, despite starting a wide receiver quarterback, throwing in a redshirt freshman in a quarterback, and then the guy that has been your guy the last two and a half seasons comes in and maybe plays his best game before having to take an early seat due to injury. Uh, a lot of things are going right for Tennessee right now. Four games left, very winnable. But uh, the uh, the fan base has really come around and uh, big Jeremy Pruitt fans right now. Jeremy Pruitt might be the... No, I was going to say second most popular person in the state of Tennessee. Uh, he's... He's probably the first, at least in East Tennessee. I shouldn't say in Tennessee. There's a lot of country artists now in I was the state say, capital. There's a lot of a lot of people in the mid state. I know a lot of people would say Auburn last year, Kentucky last year, those were monumental wins, and I would agree with them. But if you want to know the quarter point or the checkpoint, quarter post, whatever you want to call it. Oh, Jeremy Pruitt's tenure here in Knoxville, that victory against South Carolina was it. Um some people in particular, other fans will try to water it down. Oh, Ryan Alinsky. Oh, this is a beat-up South Carolina team. They didn't even have Rico Daddle in that game. You can say whatever you want. But the way Tennessee has performed, back to the Mississippi State game, as you pointed out, that defense just... You know, I, I, I often look back at that game because of just the stakes that were on the line in more ways than one for Tennessee and for other people involved in that situation. And I think, what happens if they start Garrett Strader for four quarters and not go with Tommy Stevens for the first 30 minutes. Yeah, Maybe the outcome's still the same. Uh, but what I saw from Tennessee in Mississippi State weekend, what carried over to the Bama game, uh, struggles when Tua was in there. Tennessee, obviously, their defense looked better without Tua in there. And then how they just absolutely just... If you want to talk about just a microcosm of Tennessee's season as a whole as a skip around, first play of the game against South Carolina, and yeah. fans are just like, oh, let all the air out of the balloon. 
And then you play the final two quarters and you're just like, the hell is going on? Who who went over to options pause mode in the Nintendo and moved Carolina down to like basic mode? In the Nintendo. I just look, this is this these are high times right now. This the, if you're a Tennessee fan right now, you've been waiting for a moment to get excited. And the thing about it too, you, you look at the wins and the losses, I mean it's still not great, a lot better than where it was, don't get me wrong. But I mean if you just watch this team, you can physically see the the team just improving every single week. You can you can see that defensive line is getting so much better. Oh, you, without question, you can see both guys, lines. Yes, you can see. Well, I mean, the offensive line has been one of the best units all season long, in, in my opinion. Once it finally settled in on playing, you know, five guys, and right. you know, now the injury bugs hit hit them of late, and it's good that you had that depth. Don't get me wrong, but uh, you know that defensive line. You got guys like. You know, Karak Garland that's standing out, and, and Kevon Bennett who's coming along. Yes. And, and you know, uh, Greg Emerson, I thought, has played well all season long. Shoe gang. You know, and so you, know, you got the defensive line improving, and so you can just see a number of areas of this team improving. And so, you know, moving on, it'll be big to see how good is this Tennessee team, four games on the schedule to where you should win them. Well, you can win them. I don't know how the lines allow. You should win this Saturday for sure at UAB. You're going to be at Kentucky, which is playing good defense. You're going to be at Missouri after the bye week. And I actually saw that. Not to cut you off, I actually saw a simulation Sunday of estimated lines for all the games. Now, granted, one of them is only accurate because that was the UAB line when it came out. And what I saw was at the time, UAB was live. It was minus thirteen and a half favorite Tennessee. Kentucky, the Vols were favored by two on the road. Back against Missouri, they were five-point underdogs on the road. And then home to Vanderbilt, they were six-point favorites. Yeah. So, besides UAB, you're being separated by less than a touchdown. Yeah, and so it's going to be tough, challenging games. And, you know, if Tennessee resorts back to playing a brand of football that it did to begin the season, then you can certainly see some L's on that schedule. Um, You know, it's sitting there in, in front of it. Tennessee plays the way it's played the last three weeks. I think it'll be okay, but we'll have to see. You know, Kelly Bryant's not playing at 100% right now. It's at Missouri. Missouri has dominated Tennessee in the series since coming to the SEC. That's a game that you and I both have had as a loss dating back to, you know, April or May when we first started talking about schedules. And uh, but, but, you know, Missouri is all over the place right now. All it's over crazy, the place. isn't it? We yeah. both said 7-5, and five, and that can still happen. It can but still if you happen. look back 10 years from now in 2019 and you go, yeah, you remember that 7-5 and five Tennessee season? Who'd they lose to? They lost, like, Carolina, Missouri, and they – oh, no. They lost to Georgia State, BYU. But they beat Missouri and Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. And then the fans are all in their fields and the hypotheticals of, see – we should have beat those teams, and we're really not in three. I was talking to Orlando. Logan Ward does a live radio show. Who? Logan Ward, that uh, the, the the Florida guy. Thank you. Yeah, I have no yeah, idea who yeah, that yeah, is yeah, unless Florida, you call the Florida, Florida guy. guy. Uh, you know, college student part timer that works here on the weekends. Anyway, he does a live radio show in, in at MTSU every Wednesday, and I, I talked to him this morning, and he was kind of talking about this subject. You know, if you look at this, and you know, if Tennessee were to win out, you're finishing at seven and five. And I said, let me take it a step further. If Tennessee were to win out, you're seven and five. Tennessee was better than Georgia State. Tennessee had BYU beaten. That's a nine-win regular season yeah. you're looking at right there. And it's like, what? And it sucks because we can actually play the moving the field goal post game here. Yeah. I love doing hypotheticals, especially with you. But to everybody else, it's just kind of like, did it, you know, the the immediate argument, which would be a fair argument, yeah. would be, did it take losses to BYU and Georgia State to essentially get into, like, win now survival mode mm-hmm. and then how did that turn those some of those games on their heads and then i also like to look at you know okay so tennessee's at this tier right here you know georgia 
Alabama, Florida is a tier ahead, obviously. You know, Alabama a couple of tiers ahead. But look at how the team stacked up. It was early on in the season. Tennessee got beat down by Florida. Got beat down. Kyle Trask said back there, could have done whatever he wanted to. Right. Uh, Tennessee took it to Georgia without the two minutes left in the first half. Put, put forth a really solid, what is it, 28 minutes of football. And then Georgia separated itself. Yeah, they scored two know. touchdowns in the final 90 seconds. But you're seeing a little bit of improvement. Like Tennessee, no show of Florida. Tennessee, a show up for 28 minutes against Georgia. Right. Tennessee played well. And again, there's so many factors. If Tua played the entire game, this is probably not a conversation. But Tennessee was playing three and a half quarters of football at, at Alabama. And so you're seeing it improve, improve, improve. So, you know, say we were in this hypothetical situation where Tennessee won nine games in the regular season, but those three losses. You know, where's Tennessee stacking up against? How close is this team to getting back to where a lot of fans want it to be? I mean, it's still far a ways away right now. And, of course, we're talk, talking hypotheticals. But, uh, you know, over the course of the last three, four weeks, this team is improving and moving forward. I mean, look at look at this team on Saturday. You know, come out. You don't have your starting quarterback. You have a quarterback with absolutely no confidence in Jerry Guarantan, or at least you didn't think he did but until he came in there and played. Uh, coming off the biggest mistake of his, his football playing career, got ridiculed on national television all over social media by his head coach. You got him in there, and then and then you're, you're going to start a redshirt freshman that his only time you've really seen him, he looked not so good against UTC. Nowhere near the reps that you'd like for your yeah. third-string quarterback to have week nine of the yeah. eight of the college football season. And so you're rolling those two guys out there as your quarterback, okay? And then, you know... You've got, you're, you're playing better defense, but then your special teams helps. 14 points off special teams. Right. Defense starting to play well in the second half, putting that first play behind behind them and moving forward. And then, lo and behold, your quarterbacks are playing lights out. And so it's a confidence thing. You're moving forward, and you, you like what you see. But I felt confident Tennessee could beat South Carolina this year at the beginning of the year, despite it being a toss-up game in a lot yeah. of people's eyes. You could not have convinced me Tennessee was 20 points better than South Carolina, though. No, no. And, you know, people say, well, if you take away the 14 from uh, special teams, then, I mean, Tennessee obviously still wins. Don't get me Damn wrong. But you can't do that. You can't, it's, it's football. It's a third of the game. Yeah. It's a third of the game. And yeah, so, nobody likes talking about that side of the ball, but still very important. Yeah. And, you know, I, I heard – or I saw someone tweet during the game, Marcos Callaway does not like to catch punts for some reason. He just doesn't. People were like, take him out. Take him out. He doesn't catch and everything. And I'm, I sit there and I'm reading that in live time, and I was like, this dude's returned like two – punts for touchdowns throughout his career five minutes later in the in game time he, he takes that back like 60 yards so you're seeing the improvements uh your thoughts on jeremy pruitt and his uh getting after the officials here the last couple of weeks don't have a problem with it i have a problem with people did you have a problem with him i have a problem getting- with Getting, Go ahead. A, getting, getting a penalty and putting putting South Carolina right there at the one-inch yard line. I have a problem with him not knowing when enough's enough. Yeah. It's okay to voice your displeasure. You can, you can win both sides of the battle. One, where you show the fans in the stadium and the fans at home, oh, I'm aggravated and animated, and I'm going to show you that I'm the coach you want. Because how often do we take calls and he's like, he ain't animated enough. Yeah. And then he does something crazy. It's like, well, he crossed the line there. Like, there's no, there's never a winning situation there. There is a way, though, where you can be animated, get your point across to the officials of you are missing these calls, you need to be better, and, oh, man, my coach is fired up. Look at the way he's going after that official. And then what resulted in a 15-yard penalty that kept Carolina's game alive in the final drive of the second half, of the first half. And, you know, he even pointed it out post-game. He said, look, that cost us points. And I felt like I kept beating that narrative into the ground all season and then all week long and then leading into the game. 
But when I saw how chippy the game was getting between Callaway and Jennings against the secondary, I just kept tweeting and kept reminding people it was personal foul penalties last year in Columbia. That's been that your kept biggest storyline dr- for the last year. Well, it's not that. It's because that was the one game that chapped my ass so much. Yeah. Because that was a winnable game for Tennessee. It absolutely. And Tennessee and they played well. Won that game. Tennessee played well. The offensive line, which was not good last year. Played probably its best game against South Carolina last year. And if you ask Callaway and Jennings if they would do it again, I would assume they say no. Jennings has no business again two years ago putting the ball in the secondary's chest. Yeah. And Callaway, he knew from the get-go when that play was developing, I'm going to get flagged for this. Because he went out and just flat out was just like, I'm done, screw you, I'm going after you. Yeah. There's 30 yards of difference in X amount of points. Yeah. And as soon as I saw Pruitt... With them driving down the field and it being that seesaw game back and forth, I was like, this is a total Tennessee move. Pruitt getting 15 yards here and allowing. And then you see just the back and forth of how many touchdowns weren't touchdowns they had to review and bring it back out to the one. And then just remind everybody that the first half took in live minutes, one hour and 45 minutes. Yeah, it was a little ridiculous. And a lot of his frustration the last two weeks has been from uh, the. You know, the targeting penalty. I do like the fact that uh, the NCAA went back and changed it to where it's not an automatic ejection. Every targeting penalty is under review, and so it's saved a lot of guys from being kicked out of games undeservingly. But it's still, it's it's not correct. And I, this is a bigger issue. This is bigger than Tennessee football. This is bigger than college football. It's, this is just football on every single level. And, and, it, and it, pain, it hurts me because I love this. I love this game. I played it for so long. I, specifically, there we go. I had to slow down. Specifically, Tyler. Oh boy. Uh, I played it for so long, and I played defense. And so when I see defenders just getting flagged and kicked out, flagged and kicked out, and so many times it's not the defender's fault you're getting flagged for targeting. What is Daniel Batuli supposed to do at Alabama? Like, per rule, definition of the rule, I hear you. That is targeting. But you could also call it on Judy. Judy lowered his head. By rule, you could call that on Judy as well. But, you know, what is Daniel Batuli supposed to do? Not let him just step by and say, all right, here's the end zone, sir. Scoot on in there. Darryl Middleton, Darrell Middleton is six foot freaking seven. Yep. When he comes down on a quarterback, yeah, he's going to he's gonna hit him in the face. I mean, that's just part of the game. That just, you know, it goes back to the Clay Matthews getting flagged the first five games of the season last year. It goes back to where you, you can't, you know, blow on a quarterback without getting flagged nowadays. And I just can't stand it. And so... But you're seeing that is affecting Tennessee the last three weeks. Henry Tuoltuo against uh, Mississippi State when he got kicked out in the third quarter. Okay, I thought that was – I watched him the entire play because he blitz, he blitz, he blitz, right. he goes, he pops him, he turns, immediately turns around and then runs to the play because he's a freshman. He does exactly what he's supposed to do. He, he runs the play. And I watched him the whole entire way because they threw a flag, and I'm like, they're going to get him for targeting right there because he hit him right here under the chin. And he didn't even know it. I mean, that would have never been called back in my day. And it's just so frustrating. But you're seeing that impact more and more football. And I've asked Jeremy Pruitt a couple times this season, like, how do you coach around it? And he's kind of just giving me the generic, well, you know, they give us the rules. we got to coach them up this way. Da, da, da. But, I mean, at, at points in time the last couple of weeks, he's just like, I don't know what else to do. And, that, again, this is a bigger problem outside. of th- This is a problem in football right now. And if, if somebody doesn't step in and fix it, then – this game that we all love to watch and that makes millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars every single year, it's going to literally turn into flag football in the next couple of years. I swear. That's, I, I genuinely, That's very well said. genuinely just, believe it. I guess the only thing I would say in defense of the way the officials are out there calling the games They're doing today, what they're told. They're doing what yes. they're told. Yes, and it, they're doing exactly what they're told. And it's not fair for me to compare it to what happened last night in Game 6 of the World Series. But 
at least the college football officials are being consistent with some of their calls. You may not like it because yeah. of some of the new updated rules in the offseason, and you've never seen it, but at least the officials call it when it happens. You know, like last night you see the, you know, running into the baseline play by Trey Turner and it's people are losing their mind. It's a great call. But again, it's the right call, as, but how often they call it. As Mark Deshera said last night on post game, you could call that, you know, twice a game right. if you wanted to, you know. It's like it, holding. It, it's a judgment call. It's like a lane violation in the NBA Finals. Yeah. I mean, it, there's sometimes where you just swallow your whistle or you just keep your mask on, hence the umpire. Pass interference. You've seen a lot more pass interference this year, but I mean, I, I can tell you, I, I tweeted it out. I forgot who it was. I guess it was 2 2 It's like, yep. Tuolo just got away with a big old pass interference. How do I know that? Well, that's how I play defense when I play college football at linebacker. You just go and you grab onto somebody. I mean, you right. could, you could call that every single play. You're right. So I I don't know. That's just I kind of went on a tangent there, and I apologize. But it's just it's very frustrating. It's well, very, no, it's just, it it is frustrating, especially whenever and it's affecting Tennessee. You're without Batuli for two quarters, without Tuolo uh, for two quarters. You have missed uh, Daryl Middleton for, it's the, not fair for that me, game. It's not fair for me to talk out of both sides of my mouth here because I talk about how college football officials are becoming more and more consistent. But then you watch officiating two weeks ago when South Carolina was at home against Florida, and you're like, that's clearly a pick play. That's offensive pass interference. You can't do that. You that's watch. clearly targeting. That's clearly holding. You can't. I mean, for the love of God, the guy's jersey's stretching more than the, than the sun-kissed baby getting his trunks pulled down. You could make the argument at Alabama. Brian Maurer was pushed late, and he went into uh, uh, Darnell Wright's kneecap, and that's how he got his concussion. Uh, He's Jerry, pushed with no flag, and then you got Daryl Taylor who's straddling Wilson after the hit. Yeah, which and is he gets the. I will say in that. The, I will say in that. Look, 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 worse in real time. I'll say that. But I mean, the replays show that he absolutely that was not warranted of a, of a flag. And Jeremy Pruitt said as much too. But you can make that argument on Maurer. You can make the argument when Jared Garantano messed up his left hand. It was a lay hit on that beautiful same play. Juwan Jennings beautifully thrown ball, great catch. Jennings gets smacked in the back of the end zone and. As a defender, I would do the same thing every single time. Do whatever time. it takes to get him to drop the ball. Same thing. But you could call targeting on that, too, and they didn't. You know, so uh, it's a, it's earlier, a, uh, Later in the game, Tyler Bird on the sidelines. Yes. Should have made the catch, but that could have been called targeting as well. So Should've it's just been. like I, the last couple of weeks, and I mean, I don't have the numbers here, and I obviously I don't think any officials out to get a certain team or not, but those calls are going against Tennessee. And again, I keep, I keep talking about this because, you know, the more and more and more, I mean, something's got to change here because you can't afford to lose – a key player every single game like Tennessee has the last three games. And I don't know. That's just, it's been a huge storyline for me the last couple of weeks, but credit Tennessee. Now against Alabama, you're going to lose that game anyway. In my opinion, at one point you had Quiveris Crouch and Sullen page in there, the inside yeah. linebacker position. You had Quiveris Crouch and wait for it. JJ Peterson. Peterson. Wow. Yep. And so you can't afford to be in that situation. You just can't. I think what we've seen out of Tennessee the last couple of weeks is I'm glad that they moved on from their – if there was a period of time where they were going to go youth movement, somebody either told Pruitt, all right, this isn't going to work. We don't need to abandon ship yet to get these guys ready. Well, your best players are Butch Jones players. So exactly. If, if it's that narrative, uh, just play Pruitt's players. Play it's Pruitt's just... No, your best players, if you want to win football games, are Butch – Why? I don't think it has anything to do with Butch. I mean, they're they're older players. They're more experienced, and they're more developed right now. I think Kuveris Crouch is going to be an absolute stud. Henry Tuotuo will be an All-American, okay? But they're not there yet. And those two guys are playing. So I Sometimes mean, you yeah, hope yeah. you can get bo- the best of both worlds, and right now Tennessee's doing that. Yeah. They're playing the Butch Jones guys while getting the Pruitt guys most more experienced. And guess what? How could you not want players around a Butch guy like Daniel Batuli? Yeah. 
How could you Jawan not want freaking Gen- Jennings? How could you not want some of these young receivers fighting for the starting jobs next year around Jawan Jennings? Yeah. How could you not want Wanye Morris and uh, Darnell Wright around Trey Smith? How would you not want uh, Gerard Means and and, uh, and Ramel Keaton around guys like Josh Palmer, who's a butch guy? Yeah. Callaway. Jennings, you know, I, it just it, it makes no sense to people me. say what they want to say and then they don't realize maybe I should have filtered that a little bit. more. I was talking to Jimmy Himes, you know, we were at uh, Player Avails Who? yesterday. Yeah, G- uh, Jimmy Himes, Jimbo, at, yeah, Jimbo at Jim, Jimbo. Jiminy Snicket Himes. Um, we were there for two mother flipping hours yesterday. Very frustrating. Um, you know, meeting with seven of the UT's players, and so Jimmy and I talked a lot during the breaks, and we were talking just about that. He was like, you know, there were people in this market. I'm going to leave it at that. He said some other things, you know, but I'm, I'm not going to say it on the spot. He said, there were people in this market that were making that argument where when Tennessee was 0-2, just play all the young guys, screw all the old guys, play all the young guys. And look at it now. The top five players in that game for Tennessee, all quote-unquote butch guys. And so you just can't you just can't do that. <sighs> Reality, when it strikes, man, it can be a bitch. Let me ask you this. Tennessee is beat up right now. No questions about it. Uh, this is a Tuesday podcast at Monday. Excuse me. This is a Wednesday podcast. Yeah, middle of the week. Like, yeah, middle of the week. You uh, humpity hump hump day. Yes, sir. Uh, Tuesday's practice. Darnell Wright, ankle injury. Uh, Jameer Johnson, who I, I believe this was maintenance control. He didn't do anything yesterday. He had missed the five prior games, but he came back in South Carolina. Uh, those two offensive linemen did not do anything when we were there watching. Daryl Taylor was limited. He watched a lot. Had a big old brace on, I believe it was his left knee, whichever one he injured, South Carolina. Uh, he did take part in a c- couple of reps, but he was limited. Am I the only one who thinks that both him and Garantano are going to be okay? Because I know coaches, and if they thought that it was severe enough where they would have to lie to the media. Or not lie, but, I mean, they were flat out asked. You guys are out here. You guys took some nasty spills. You okay? Garantano said, yeah, yeah, my hand's fine. And I didn't see Taylor limp. He was like, yeah, I'm good. And then he's got a giant brace on yesterday. And then you got Giratano, who's less than 48 hours away from having a bolt put in his left hand. Yeah. So I I, ho- I, I don't think that their injuries are, have got long-term repercussions. Garantano had kind of a, uh, like a, like a brace and or. He looked like he's about to go bowl soft. 10. He looked like he's better to go bowl 10 frames. Yeah. 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 Like uh, one, of, one of those. Like, little, on. Yeah. Now I had one of those when I played, but like yesterday he had kind of a hard cast on. To, it was a weird situation. Oh, was, it's that soft splint. Yeah. 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 I was listening to Eric Ainge, our, our resident quarterback here. And uh, Never heard of him. this was on Monday. <laughs> And uh, he, you know, Eric says a lot of things that I, I like. I like to turn the dial away from, but uh, he was making some great sense on Monday, talking about, hey, so it's his left hand, all right. If he can catch a shotgun snap, uh, and he he can tolerate the pain, number one. But if he can catch a shotgun snap, and you can get up under center, and it's your left hand. If you're a right-handed quarterback, you just interlock your thumbs right here. When you're under center, the blow is taken from that left hand, your top hand. So really, as long as you can tolerate the pain, just just playing with it, you can play. Because you know, going under center is not going to affect your other hand, and if you catch a shotgun snap, it's not going to affect your other hand. So I think Garantano is going to be fine as well. But uh, he kind of kind of breaking it down, and of course, then he went into and saying, "Well, you know, I played with a broken uh, middle finger my entire senior year, and I threw thirty-five. T- you know, Ainge started aging everywhere, but uh, made some good points. And so I think Garantano is going to be just fine. I think you didn't ask the question, but I'm going to answer it of who should be the starting quarterback Saturday against UAB, and it should be JT Shrout, at least to start. Honestly, if it's not broke, you're not fixing anything. I would go into the same with the same game plan based on how much Garantano can take, tolerate with pain. Jared Garantano, though, is not getting enough credit for the way he performed on Sunday, Saturday, and I think Jared Garantano needs to be applauded 
And I think he Absolutely. needed. I think he needs to get a little bit of some love and some doubt. Does this take away from his regression this year from the mistake that he made on uh, the goal line at Alabama? No, but it's a nice little pin on the cork board that says, huh, I'm not done yet. Dude, there's sometimes I say stuff in the mornings on the radio and I mute my mic. I'm like, what the hell are you saying, dude? Like, shut up. Like, I mean, everyone makes mistakes. Don't get me wrong. It's just, now, I would say our mistakes aren't broadcast out for the world, but it kind of is. So, never, you know, never mind. Bit. But, you know, the same as JG. I mean, there's 100,000 people watching every mistake he has, and that's just in the stadium, you know. That game was on ESPN, but you're right. I mean, he played a heck of a ball game. He really came in, and uh, he threw the ball about as, as good as I've ever seen him throw the ball. And so, you know, moving forward with his slight injury, Brian Maurer still being reevaluated with concussions and everything, it, it's kind of tough. I don't know if you were able to hear this morning, right before our show started, about 6 o'clock this morning, I played Kessling's audio clip, and uh, he was talking to Pruitt, and I guess I guess he taped it yesterday. I, I don't. Pruitt has not talked in a public setting since Monday. Um, so, and he wasn't on the Big Orange Hotline, I don't believe. And so anyway, he was talking to you. He was like, yeah, you know, at one point in time, we we didn't have one quarterback that was healthy, and now we we got three. So I guess you could say we have a little bit of a quarterback controversy. <laughs> nah, but no, that's a good thing. But really, I'm just sitting there thinking, I'm like, you know, where and what, like how and how, how are you going to coach the quarterbacks this year? Because it looks like you, or this week, is it looks like you will have three. And so, it's kind of the million-dollar question. I, I, I've never, ever, ever, ever been a fan of rotating quarterbacks because I, I don't think you can. I don't think you can. You can win. Uh, you can sustain winning. Not a doctor formula. Not a doctor, but I'm just telling you right now. I wouldn't play Mauer this week. I wouldn't either. I'd give because him one again, more. Georgia State. I hear you, but you don't. You shouldn't. You shouldn't need to. Shouldn't need. Shouldn't. You shouldn't need to. Don't play Brian Mauer. If Brian Mauer is truly your starting quarterback. Make sure Brian Mauer's 100% healthy before you bring him back. Because you will need him, Missouri, Kentucky, and Vanderbilt. And a bowl game. And a bowl game, yeah. You only need to win three more of those. And guess what? There are three more winnable games on this schedule. All four are winnable. All four are winnable. Three, Tennessee's going to be favored in. Yeah, I don't think Tennessee will win all four because, listen, this is Tennessee football. It's just not going to (laughs) happen. If you ask me right now, gun to head, Ivans, what's going on? You beat UAB, you beat Kentucky, you fall at Missouri, you win against Vanderbilt. You're 6-6, you go to Memphis for the Liberty Bowl. And if I remember correctly, Saturday, walking away from Neyland Stadium, looking at the Big 12 standings, you are going to be facing one of either Okie State, West Virginia, throw me a little Texas Tech on the side. When, when, I, tried, I tried calling Liberty Bowl against old uh, Mullet last year. You did. I got burnt, so you I'm doubling did. down. Give me Okie Pokey. Hey, what? When is the Liberty Bowl every year again? December thirty one. Always, it's always December thirty one, and it's always the two o'clock start. Okay, two o'clock Central Time. So three o'clock. Okay. Cool. Yep. So if Tennessee were to play, so New Year's Eve, boys, who wants to go to Memphis? A <laughs> uh, couple more things here. Jimmy Himes and I also talked about this yesterday during the again two hours of downtime we had. Um, Tennessee's five and seven. If Tennessee's five and seven receives a ball bid, if you look at the standings, okay, Missouri's postseason is completely up in the air right now. Technically, right now they're going postseason because they're under appeal. But will that appeal be nullified by the time? You know, we we don't know. But you know, Missouri, you don't know. Uh, Georgia and Florida, yes. The rest of the standings, you don't know. You don't think so? You think Tennessee, maybe? Yes. Maybe South Carolina. If you're asking know. me right now, if Tennessee got uh, got offered a bowl appearance at five and seven, but you, would they take it? You got ten spots to fill, and you've got two for sure. You got Alabama, LSU, Auburn. That's five. 
you've got potentially five, four to five others that are going to be right on that fringe to where do they get six wins or not? Do they, you know? And so Tennessee might, if it finishes five and seven, would get a bowl invitation. Would you accept? Yes. And Jimmy, Jimmy told me he was like, he was like, you know, this year, yes, because you would need all those practice times to do those young players. But he's like, I've gone back and I've done my research, and you know, nothing. And Jimmy has, and I've had this conversation yeah, as well. Nothing has shown me that fifteen extra practices help. will make a difference the next year. Right. Yeah. But I mean, I one hundred percent would take him this year because Warren Burrell needs those practices. Uh huh. Um, you know, Roman Harrison needs those practices. Brian Mauer needs those practices. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. So you. I would assume they would take it too, as well at five and seven. Yes, one hundred percent, as they should. Plus, I mean, people might gripe a little bit, but what, what's the five and seven bowl they'd go to? Birmingham? Oh, what the hell? Tennessee fans would make the quick drive down to Birmingham just to be like, yeah, okay, whatever. It's one extra bowl game for us. They play a team like somebody from CUSA. Who's in the CUSA that you might enjoy just whooping up on a little bit? I say Marshall, but Marshall wouldn't be Marshall. They wouldn't push Marshall. Marshall's had a good season. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? They'd face somebody in the Sun Belt or the flipping CUSA. So, I'm sorry, what? I'm being told that possibly Tyson Hilton, the former offensive coordinator in Tennessee, <laughs> gets you a little dub Kentucky going on. Tennessee 41, South Carolina 21. The Volunteers had a season-high 485 yards of total offense. Uh, owned the time of possession battle, 34 minutes, 28 seconds, to 25 minutes, 32 seconds. Uh, Tennessee pitched a shutout in the second half, had three sacks, five quarterback hurries. Daniel Batuli, SEC Defensive Player of the Week, 15 tackles, a blocked punt, and a touchdown off that blocked punt. Tennessee's defense held Helensky to 28 of, wait for it, 51 pass attempts. He threw a touchdown, threw, over, threw for over 300 yards. We said the magic number this week on college football today was 32. <laughs> you make him throw more than that. Than May and 32, yeah. they lose. Yeah. Less, they win. Uh, he overshot that by a long shot. Long yeah. shot. And uh, you, throw, you throw the ball, you put the ball in the air 51 times, you better darn sure throw for over 300 yards. Uh, Tennessee had two special teams touchdowns, 60-yard uh, punt return for a score from Marquez Calloway, 65 yards, excuse me, I'm sure we're changing him there, third of his career. Uh, and again, I mentioned that Daniel Batuli. Big thing here: no turnovers in that ball game. Ty Chandler, seventy-eight yards on sixteen carries. Juwan Jennings, uh, the SEC Offensive Player of the Week. What's up? If you're going to say no turnovers, you got to put a slash and put another positive stat in there. Okay. No turnovers, no sacks allowed. Yeah, no sacks allowed. Yeah, yeah. So again, going back to the improved mm-hmm. offensive line, consistent throughout the year, and that anchor right in the middle, SEC Offensive Lineman of the Week, Brandon Kennedy. I asked him uh, when we met with him yesterday. You know, does that mean anything more for you, considering you've had two once since being at Tennessee, one at Alabama? You had two season-ending injuries. You are a grad student. You're in your fifth year. You're a transfer, and he's like, "Yeah, man, I've had a long journey and and everything." And uh, you know, it, it does mean a little bit more to me. Juwan Jennings, seven receptions, 174 yards, two touchdowns. So anyway, uh, those are the highlights of that ball game. And Tennessee looks to move on and uh, pick up a, a win against UAB, a club that has a top ten ranked defense in the country right now. But let's be real, you know, team lost to Western Kentucky. This team has not uh, played the competition that Tennessee has this season. Uh, what's the line right now, Tyler? Opened at thirteen and a half this morning when I hit refresh. If you want to, if you want to steal some money, <laughs> take the Volunteers. Uh, yeah, but it's been bet down to ten. So, FYI, I know I get, I've been ripped the last couple of weeks as my to the windows haven't been the strongest. Uh, I'll let you know right now, this line will climb back up closer to two touchdowns. So if you won't, if you don't jump on it at ten now, mm-hmm. ye, tomorrow it's going to be eleven, and then Thursday or Friday it's going to be twelve, and then around kickoff it'll stick around thirteen. 
So if you want to save yourself a field goal and not have to buy it, get it now. Real quick, wrapping things up here, I, 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 want, a, I want a 30 second response from you because we could have done this whole podcast on this matter. Name, image, likeness. NCAA has now dedicated three different boards to uh, coming up with some rules and regulations to where uh, it stays consistent with the college model, but where athletes can profit on uh, their, his or her name. Uh, those rules are expected to be in by January 2021. Of course, everyone hears this. I think it's a little overblown, but the return of NCAA uh, college football, NC dubs. Um, this is long overdue. I think everyone really, except for some certain lawmakers in North Carolina, would agree. This is long overdue. Um, your thoughts on the news when it broke yesterday, really during our show, and how do you see this playing out? What's the timetable and uh, potentially affecting the University of Tennessee? Uh, this is huge news, and that's the understatement of the year. This is a step in the right direction for anybody who believes that athletes should be receiving money for their likeness and for their name. Um, I will say this. As long as they can find a way to police this where it does not make the playing field uneven again, because here we are just now cleaning up the sport of college basketball, and I feel like a lot of that has to do with the success of the recruiting trail for Rick Barnes because you're now on an even playing field. I agree that if a kid or, or an athlete out there has the talent where the university or college is profiting off of them, there should be something even in the smallest value given back to him. But you got to find a way where it's not cheated and it's not under the table or this thing does not spiral and ruin it for everybody else. But the men are going to make more than the women. The football players That's will make more stuff, than baseball yeah. players. It's all about revenue generated from said name, yep. likeness. I mean, it's just part of it. And that's, that, that's my – yeah. And so uh, long overdue. Again, Will West has said it a couple of times. It's, it's unconstitutional uh, to sit here and say, well, this – you know, people are saying, well, you know, uh, a normal student can go out and uh, da, 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 da. Well, a normal student can go out and get a job, you know, and an athlete yeah. can't. And so, anyway, this is a step in the right direction. It's, it's going to be a long process. It's going to take a little while to get it all sorted out. But, again, that news broke uh, yesterday saying that the NCAA – what, what was it, uh, two months after California said, well, we're going to do this? And they're like, well, and you're... Florida's like, we want to do it as it was next year. Well, well hang on, hang yeah. on. <laughs> if anybody's throwing a party, we'll throw the party. Yeah, it's like, uh... Okay, NCAA. After further review, we've decided that, okay, well, but we're going to... Yeah, yeah, so, anyway. Tennessee and UAB. 7 o'clock kick inside Neyland Stadium. And uh, the Volunteers are looking for win number four on the season. Win number, yeah, win number four. This is not an SEC game, so you can't climb in those No, it's stage. not, but Bill Clark's team is dangerous. Yep. Are the SEC dangerous? No. Do they have a good quarterback in Tyler Johnston the third? Yes. Should Tennessee still win this game by more than a two touchdowns? TJ3. Yes. TJ3. I can think of what his finisher would be if he was a pro wrestler. Thanks, Kaner. He's at Tyler Robbins on Twitter. I am at underscore Kaner. This is the Gentleman's Hour podcast on the Sports Animal. Another Gentleman's Hour podcast is in the books with the starting lineups, Tyler Ivins and Eric Kane. Chat with the guys on Twitter, at Tyler Ivins and at underscore Kaner. It's the Gentleman's Hour podcast on The Sports Animal.